Welcome to Five Books for Catholics, where an expert selects and explains five outstanding books in some aspect of Catholic life, doctrine or culture. Most people care about education. But those who are not committed Catholics are likely to take a very different view from the Church when it comes to defining the stages and the setting of education. In this interview, R. Jared Stout explains the books that he believes would help us understand the nature and situation of Catholic education. Dr. R. Jared Stout specialises in systematic theology, the evangelization of culture, catechesis, Catholic education, church history and Thomas Aquinas. He has taught at the Augustine Institute since 2009, teaching part-time since 2014. He has also served as Director of the Catholic Studies Programme at the University of Mary, Director of Religious Education in two parishes, co-founder of two high schools, and he has served as Associate Superintendent for Mission and Formation in the Archdiocese of Denver. He is currently Director of Content for Exodus 90, a 90-day spiritual exercise for men. Dr. Stout's books include The Priority of God, Recovering the Virtue of Religion's Role in Catholic Theology, published by Emmaus Academic, Restoring Humanity, Essays on the Evangelization of Culture, published by Divine Providence, Renewing Catholic Schools, How to Regain a Catholic Vision in a Secular Age, published by Catholic Education Press, and The Beer Option, Brewing a Catholic Culture Yesterday and Today, published by Angeli. Dr. Stout, welcome. Thank you so much. Well, in its broadest sense, education is everything that society does for the self-development of its members. However, we normally associate it with schools and university. Do the books that you've selected take the narrower or broader focus? Um, I, I would say that most of, of the books that I chose would reflect a, a broader understanding of education as uh, entering into a, a whole way of life and a way of thinking in particular, although some of them, you know, do look at particularly uh, what we need to do within the school context itself. So I would say good books on education generally will hit at both of those aspects, initiation into a culture, into a group of people, uh, but then, okay, how do you do that effectively uh, within a formal context of education? And how would you define Catholic education? Is it just conventional education plus catechesis? Or does it work with a radically different conception of education? Well, there was a providential coming together of, I think, two different ways of viewing education in the early church. Uh, the church accepted the Greek ideal of paideia, uh, which really was a, a formation of the person through the liberal arts, especially. Um, and it blended that together um, with its own understanding of catechesis. And so I, I think there's a way in which we could say Catholic edu education accepts the ideal of paideia, this formation of the person through humane learning, while also understanding that ultimately education is an initiation into the life of God um, through the church. And those two, you know, there, there may have been tensions throughout time. You know, Tertullian is often quoted, what is Athens to do with Jerusalem? But in general, the church said, you know, Athens does have something to do with Jerusalem. Um, and that when we look at the formation of the human mind, according to reason, ultimately, according to the logos, 
um, that we can see that it does relate to the soul and that right thinking and virtue, which are in accord with nature, and of course are the aim of paideia, uh, really do relate to the living of the Christian life. Now, could you ever reduce catechesis to a kind of learning in the liberal arts? That would be a gross distortion. Um, and so we know that Catholic education ultimately must be rooted in Christ. It is not simply about the education of the mind, but because Christ is the Logos, it does extend to the formation. And who do you have in mind when recommending your top five books in Catholic education? Parents who are thinking about their children, teachers, Catholics who want to improve their own education, or all of the above? Certainly all of the above. Um, and there are many ways in which I've seen dedicated lay people uh, who are able to make a, a profound effect on Catholic education, even if they're not working in a Catholic school, or if they don't even have uh, children of you know the school age. I think of a retired woman who, who is even elderly with, with problems in her health, and yet uh, she helped to inspire the founding of a Chesterton Academy uh, in the Denver metro area, particularly through influencing me as a part of that project. Um, and I think also of a bunch of dads who, who had young kids who were not even in school yet. Um, and they also formed a group in their parish called First Educators, and they began sponsoring talks. And that was actually another factor that led to the founding of this high school. And so I think Catholics who are serious about formation and who care about education um, can certainly support the, uh, the great work of Catholic education in different ways. First in your list is A Reason Open to God, edited by J. Stephen Brown. This is a collection of speeches, letters, and homilies that Pope Benedict XVI delivered on education and the university. A university professor by training and inclination, he speaks with first-hand knowledge. Perhaps his main point is that we need to go beyond the reductively positivistic conception of reason that has become dominant modernity and restore God to his rightful place at the center of education in the sciences. In your view, what are Benedict XVI's fundamental teachings in education? And why have you chosen him as an authoritative guide in this subject rather than one of the other recent popes? Okay, well, there's there's certainly a lot there in that question. Um, but but I would say that Pope Benedict, in, in my mind, um, has really articulated the church's whole tradition of education, uh, even in its recent magisterium over the last hundred years, but looking more broadly, even back to the early church. He's articulated that vision, I think, better than anyone else, whether it's another pope or not. Um, and through the work that I did as associate superintendent in Denver, his talk at Catholic University of America in particular, his meeting with educators there, and that was with college presidents, but it was also superintendents from throughout the United States, that, that really was the Magna Carta, I think, of our work. And he has a great gift of being able to synthesize and transmit so many principles in such a succinct way. If, if you look at how many pages, you know, that that speech covers, when, when I print it out as a Microsoft Word document, it's like four pages or something like that. But, but I, I, it can really, I think, uh, engage in all of the major themes uh, with educators, and I've used it in so many uh, different settings with educators, just so quickly, um, that it, it states that the, the overarching goal of Catholic education is to bring people into encounter with Christ. 
Uh, it deals with the whole uh, topic of faith and reason, how that extends over to human freedom. Freedom is actually one of the great themes of that short talk um, in saying that, you know, we've emphasized the formation of the mind, but he says, perhaps we've overlooked the importance of the will and therefore of the good. Uh, and, and that just draws on, on a whole theme in, in education going back to Plato, right? That education should shape our desires. Uh, and then he talks a lot about hope that Catholic education right now can provide hope for young people because it grounds them in the truth and that the truth is ultimately liberating for us because it provides the right ground, he says, for the adventure of life. And I, I love how he calls uh, life an adventure because he's really pointing the fact that Catholic education is calling young people into something, into a, a great discovery of the truth and to an, a great adventure then of living life in communion with Christ uh, in the church. And he does talk about the ecclesial life of the church in that lecture. Uh, beyond that one lecture, you know, his writings and, and talks on education are known for the integration of faith and reason through the logos. And you see him coming back to that. I referred to it myself already. Uh, but the fact that the word of God is the truth through which the entire universe was created and the one who comes to reveal the father to us shows that there must be a profound harmony between faith and reason and the work of Catholic education, that we really can see the whole of reality more profoundly than anyone else. And that we need to help our young people to enter into the full breadth of this tradition. Um, and of course, that doesn't mean simply adding the knowledge that comes from faith onto uh, the regular uh, kind of approach of a school, but actually freeing reason itself, that reason can do more than remain locked into a positivistic view, that reason itself can consider the deepest truths of human uh, life, and that, of course, reason itself has an important role to play in the life of faith. And so that actually our young people will come to know Jesus Christ more fully uh, when they're able to think clearly, coherently, and deeply about reality. Your second pick is Christopher Dawson's The Crisis of Western Education, which was published in 1961. Dawson was a convert to Catholicism and a prestigious historian who argued that religion is the foundation of any culture. In his view, education is enculturation, the way in which a society inculcates its culture. He examines the history of Western education and assesses the prospects of a Catholic education in the United States. A lot has changed since then. What does Dawson get right and what can he teach us about the current ch challenges facing Catholic education? Well, you know, writing in 1961, of course, he, he was witnessing from within the United States, by the way, because he was the chair of Catholic studies at Harvard um, at, at that time. Um, he was witnessing in the United States, and when you think especially of where he was in Massachusetts, um, really the high point of parochial education in the United States. Um, I mean, there were many more students um, in our parochial schools at that time. I think five times as many students, even though the Catholic uh, population in the United States has grown significantly from 1961 in the United States. And so he really, I, I think, was betting on the parochial system. 
to resist the trends that he witnessed of fragmentation and secularism um, in the United States at that time. And he really thought that Catholic education would be a bastion. In some ways it has, right? But but since 1961, you really say since the, the late 1960s, there has been a profound decline in Catholic education that every single year we've lost schools, we've lost students, funding becomes more difficult. COVID gave us a little boost and that people were, were seeking out Catholic schools at that time because we stayed open. Uh, but beyond COVID, right, it's been a story of decline. Okay, so yeah, he was wrong about that, but I don't think anyone would have predicted that decline in 19. 19- this work has influenced me probably more than any other on education. Um, and he looks at, at the tradition of classical education. Now, classical education right now, I think, means something in particular. At that p- point to him, it, it really meant um, the, the tradition of humane learning that he would have experienced at Oxford uh, when he was really thinking of the whole tradition of the liberal arts, right? The study of Greek and Latin, the reading of the classics and original languages. That's what he was thinking, right? And so he was looking at, at that tradition and then how it was breaking down in the face of pragmatism in particular and John Dewey's influence within the United States especially. But as he was looking at at that breakdown, he said, what could we learn from the previous classical tradition? Um, In terms of enculturation, right, it it was preserving a particular cultural ideal related to the paideia that I was referring to earlier. And he said, well, why have we been focusing so much attention on the culture of classical civilization throughout all these centuries when we could be focusing on the culture of Christendom and that moving forward in class and in, in, sorry, in Catholic education, we could have a, a whole program of studies that is based upon the cultural achievements of the church. Um, and so he really wanted to see a whole program of Christian studies or, 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 or classical studies, I'm sorry, of Catholic studies, that is, um, that could enculturate students into the whole kind of or, organic and, and living tradition of the church herself. And so he thought that Catholics should attend more to a kind of initiation into the whole tradition of the church, cultural, educational, and otherwise. That was very influential in the founding of my undergraduate and master's program, which is the Catholic Studies program at the University of St. Thomas. Um, And Don Briel was the founder of that program. I have also uh, released a collection of his essays on education called The University and the Church. Um, And so I experienced that because Don Briel set up this program to to be a a program of just kind of soaking in uh, the great cultural legacy of the church in theology, philosophy, art, history, literature, all of this, and included a a Rome study abroad program. And it was through Catholic studies um, that I was able to read uh, Dawson's corpus. And I was asked at the end of my studies of Dawson, because I even had a research grant to study Dawson, what was the work that stood out to you the most from his entire corpus? And it was this one. Uh, And I think it really motivated me in my own work to try to share the great cultural legacy of the church with Next is Father Francis Bethel's biography of one of his professors in Integrated Humanities program at the University of Kansas, John Senior and the Restoration of Realism. 
Besides teaching his students the humanities, Senior inspired a significant number to convert and even enter the seminary or religious life. His two main writings are the death of Christian culture and the restoration of Christian culture. But you've short shortlisted Father Bethel's biography instead. Are you suggesting that we can learn more from Senior's approach to teaching rather than his writings? If so, what should we learn from it? Yes, when you look at the book, The Restoration of Christian Culture, and of course, I, I would very highly recommend that book by Senior. But there is uh, one chapter uh, dedicated uh, to uh, Catholic education. There, there's insights from other chapters that you could glean. But, you know, Senior himself has a very compelling story uh, that, that he grew up uh, in Long Island, um, and, you know, even ran away from home to be a cowboy in the American West, um, but flirted with communism. Um, he was a part of the first great books program in the United States at Columbia University and started reading Plato. Interestingly enough, though, his studies there led him to the esoteric and he, he got into even um, Hindu spirituality to the, the symbolist movement. That's what he wrote his dissertation on. But as he was actually studying Hinduism and in, in the Eastern tradition of, of occult knowledge, he started finding references to St. Thomas Aquinas and to St. Augustine. And so as a professor at Cornell University, he decided, well, I'm going to read these guys. And so in the original Latin, he read Augustine's De Trinitate and the, the entire Summa. And, you know, he, he came to a great insight. He said, you know, reading the Summa brought me back to my days as a cowboy, you know, s sitting around the fire, drinking coffee with the, with the other men on the plains. You know, there, it just was rooted in the earth, rooted in the, in the truth of creation. And that's what I found in Thomas Aquinas, just common sense and an encounter with reality, because the, the Hindu approach and the whole esoteric approach was to say that reality was an illusion. And he said sitting around the fire with the cowboys was not an illusion. And so Thomas Aquinas opened up to him just this encounter with the real. And that's why Father Bethel's book is called John Sr. and the Restoration of Realism. Trying to, to root our approach to education and culture and our ability to know the truth and that we need to begin actually with the senses. So one of the big takeaways for education um, is beginning with what's called poetic knowledge, the engagement of the emotions and the senses, um, and then naturally progressing from, from the poetic to the, the rhetorical, that is, to be able to approach truth and communion with others through conversation, like the Socratic. And then from there, um, to then move to the dialectic, to be able to make distinctions, and then to come to scientia, to, to the, this insight of of a true understanding of the nature of things. And Senior critiqued modern education for being Cartesian to simply uh, begin with ideas of things that are removed from things themselves. And so I, I think that his approach is very sacramental, that it is the outward sign, the material reality of things that then draws us to inward and spiritual realities. And of course, that's what Paul says at the beginning of Romans, right? That God's creation is meant to bear witness to his truth and to his existence. Um, and so I, I find it very important in the context of contemporary education 
to make sure that we are rooted in God's creation and rooted in the, the senses and in the bodily before trying to jump into uh, I, the ideas of things or even into the spiritual. Thank you for listening. To read or listen to the rest of this interview and gain full access to our archive, visit fivebooksforcatholics.com and become a premium subscriber. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and give it a top rating on the platform of your choice. That way more people can discover it. You can also support the podcast and help us produce more interviews like this one by making a one-off donation via the link given in the show notes. As little as one dollar, one pound or one Europe can help and will be greatly appreciated. Thank you once again and God bless.